first, it's the DU General, Money B. I'ma put you up on the schedule. Six to nine, eight weekdays, not two and seven years ago. We got a lot to talk about, so much to pedal through. Unapologetically progressive. Tune to KBLA 1580 to get the mess. With your ancestors' favorite radio station. First black on talk radio, left side of the nation. Me and Dominique the Prima go way back. Smiling, making sure the station stays black. Discussing all the issues in our community. We're hosted black and brown, and others find unity. So let's talk about it. Maybe we can improve it. Digital underground, always down with the moon. Come on. So we tune in. The first things first with the queen of black talk radio. Dominique to Prima. Go, sis. KBLA Talk 1580. Good morning and God bless. I'm Dominique DePrima. This show is called First Things First. My first thing every single day, giving thanksgiving praises and asking for blessings from God, asking for the blessings of the ancestors and the elders and getting it going. Let's get started. Uh, This is what we do, the format, our thing thing. We do our one, we do left coast, what's going on over here in Cali and this side on Hour two, we do national, international, and beyond. And in the third hour, we do a deep dive with a person or persons of interest. And we're pretty much in that vibe right now in that format. It is a talking point Tuesday, meaning you are invited, in fact, challenged to debunk and destroy uh, the propaganda, the spin, the, uh, I'll call it, talking points that don't serve us. The things that come out of our mouths or the mouths of others which we can't even trace the origins of, but just say in some kind of way to sound smart or reactionary or because we've heard it so many times before, the question, does it it serve us? The answer, not most of the time. So we're doing that. uh, And we're also, um, you know, doing what we always do, which means you're invited to participate. Reciprocity, real conversation, uh, debate, and fellowship are all available here. 800-920-1580, 800-920-1580. Happy Halloween if you're celebrating that. Uh, for me, any excuse for celebration <laughs> is a good thing. Now, I, when I say any excuse, I will redefine it in my own uh, in my own values, i.e. Thanksgiving. Uh, I'm always giving thanks. I think a lot of people do that. We focus on gratitude. We focus on family and we make sure to be mindful of the history of uh, genocide of First Nations folks and not frame it in the sort of commercial official story Thanksgiving talking points way. Uh, Halloween, you know, um, do I do I? worship the dark side? No, not at all. But um, I do enjoy uh, candy, (laughs) dressing up. I love seeing little kids in costumes. And so for me, it's just a spirit of fun. And I think, uh, as Sahara pointed out, if you want to go there, uh, paying tribute to the ancestors. But 
all of those things, you're welcome to call. Looking forward to talking with Dalen Spratt today in Hour 3. He's the co-star of the show Ghost Brothers Haunted House Guests. And we will focus on urban legends, ghost stories, and um, the paranormal in, in honor of Halloween. And you're welcome to join. Uh, <laughs> never talked to this brother before. Looking forward to it. And, of course, we'll hear from you, 800-920-1580. Speaking of the left side, though, um, really uh, was disheartened but also related to a story that people have been talking about lately uh, here in Southern California. Um, AYSO is uh, the youth soccer organization Um, AYSO United South LA is a team of talented and determined girls um, dedicated to excellence on and off the field. Um, They they, um, made history as the first all-African-American female team to win an AYSO National Games title in the under-12 division. They had a 96-game undefeated season. Uh, they went on to club soccer in 2019. They've moved up the ranks. They're currently ranked number eight in Southern California. And um, they are just um, really, really an example of the truth, which is that there's lots and lots of African-Americans Yes, black folks globally, but specifically African-Americans who love soccer. Um, And this particular team has run into racism and the community uh, is helping them to push back. Um, LaShawn Woodridge, uh, good morning. Uh, Welcome, welcome to KBLA uh, Talk 1580. So first of all, tell me um, about your a role with this team. Um, I am the t- um, I am the team manager. Um, I've been with the team um, pretty much ever since conception. Um, so yes, we moved from uh, recreational youth soccer into club soccer uh, because that for soccer, unlike other sports, this is the only additional pathway that these children have to play in college. Like, unlike basketball and football, um, I know basketball has the AUU, but football and um, they cannot be recruited or they won't be recruited from college uh, via the pathway of high school soccer. Right, so you're saying high school soccer is an open door to higher learning for, for young black girls. No, high school soccer, so club soccer is the only way that they can have the pathway to... Oh, they won't be recruited in high school, so they got to play club to be seen, to be recruited, to be seen. That's what you're saying? Correct. Yeah. Yeah, I, I know um, a number of young uh, girls who do who do that, who play club soccer, and it is a sacrifice. I mean, you're you're adding... Uh, workload on top of school, right? You've got practices, you have games, you have to travel. Um, it's an expense for the families, and it's a commitment for the players. Correct. And basically, in our community, club soccer has 
been outpriced our community. So partially why we stay in rec so long is because we are outpriced by club soccer because club soccer on the average, just the fees alone is 3,500 to $5,000. Just to be in that club league. Just to be in the club league. Not, that's not including uniforms, ref fees, traveling. That's not including any of that. Right. And so it's kind of like what, what's happened with uh, baseball, right, where you see fewer and fewer right. black players. Because it's just too doggone expensive, not that the talent isn't there. Correct. So uh, in, that, you know, in that context, um, you guys travel as a club team, and you're not playing a lot of black folks. No, there's usually there is one or two, maybe four at the most, but usually one or two on a team. Right. If and you're lucky. If you're lucky. One or two on a team, the teams you're playing against. Your team is all black girls. Um, and what is the typical response when you guys roll up however many deep um, as an all black soccer squad, which is something these folks are not used to? Crazily Correct. enough, yeah. I mean, this right. is in Africa. If, if we were in Africa, there would be all black soccer s- squads everywhere. Um, but in this country, you guys roll up, and what's the reaction like? Um, a lot of it is shock. Uh, a lot of it is assuming that we are extra aggressive mm. um, before we even get on the field. So you guys are being stereotyped right off the bat before you even start playing. They're like, oh, they're going to play hard, harder. They're going to play dirty or whatever like that. Right. And then what about from the stands? Because, I mean, my child is not an athlete. I have a teenager, but um, <laughs> I forced my child to play sports throughout middle school. Because, right. uh, because I think, you know, there's uh, social and um, life skills lessons to be learned um, through team sports. Uh, it's like LA 84 Foundation says, life ready through sport. I think there's a lot of truth to that. Um, and, sure. and I saw some things in, you know, in the independent school, um, s- this is basketball, but, and, you know, and watching football for other kids that, other black kids in that system that I was just friends with their parents. I saw things from the other parents in the stands that actually really surprised me. Yes, they adultify our children. They don't see them as children, so they think that they could spew anything at them, and it's okay. Um, We have had ice thrown at our children by inebriated parents at a game. Um, Wow. Yes. And I'm sure insults also. Yes. Yes. It's, you know, and it, it could be as microaggression as, oh, you know, that's how they are. Or, you know, it could be as simple as that. Um, and they tend to think that they could speak to our children um, without an adult being around. Uh, yes. And it's not even it's not even only being adultified by the people in the stands, it's also by referees. Referees, yeah, I've seen that too. Um, and then um so and also the N word, right? 
Yes. They have every, I have three children, um, ages 21, 19, and my daughter is 16. And now my daughter has not been called, but each of my sons around the same age have been called the N-word. And most recently, we had a player called the N-word on our team um, two weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I, when I heard that, I wasn't, I was sad, but I wasn't surprised. I mean, that happened to my child uh, playing middle school basketball in su- supposedly liberal Southern California. And it happened to several other black children um, that were, that I know uh, within right. the independent school system, particularly being called the N-word. Um, and then, you know, in my child's case, I reported it, <clears throat> even though... He didn't want me to because he was like, ha, 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 my defense was so good. That kid called me the N-word. But I was like, they're not supposed to be saying that anyway, regardless of the reason. And it's problematic because you're the only black kid, you know, in the room right now. Right. And that's a problem. That's uh, intimidation. It's uh, hate. Well, they do it. They do it to get a rise out of the children to make them. Um, react in a violent or a negative way so they can say, ooh, see, we told you this is how they are. Right, and then probably a red card, kick them out of the game, right? Right, of course. And, of course, the referees are always like, oh, well, we didn't hear it. Yeah. They never hear it. Yeah, they don't hear it. And if your kid uh, reacts angrily, of course, they're going to get they're going to get penalized. If your kid doesn't react angrily like mine, who laughed in the kid's face, they're still right. going to get pushed back. They're taunting. Right. Wait, you right. called me the N word and I'm taunting you. Um, so has your uh, has. Well, when we come forward, I, I'm going to find out from you, uh, LaShawn Muldred, what what that has meant for your team, what. Um, obstacles has this kind of racial racial animus and dynamic for the only uh, all black girls club soccer team um, in AYSO here in Southern California. What has it meant for the team? What is it? Uh, what kinds of problems has it caused? Not just individually for the children, but for you as a team, and what action folks are taking to push back. That's next. KBLA Talk 1580. More of First Things First with Dominique DePrima when we come forward. Your ancestors' favorite radio station, radio station, and your favorite morning show host. Let's get back to Dominique DePrima right now. Right now. Right now, we're talking with uh, LaShawn Woldridge, um, team manager for uh, this all. African American Girls Soccer Club team. Um, and what's the name of your team? Uh, United South LA. Yeah, oh, that's right. United South LA. All hustle. I uh, love that. All heart. I love that. So tell me that's what. That's motto. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Um, more of us need that motto. So tell me what consequences. You know, you guys are being attacked, being the children being adultified the constant microaggressions, sometimes it bursts out into someone calling um, a child the N-word. A couple weeks ago you said that happened. Was it a child saying it to another child, or was it coming from the stands? It was a child saying it to another child. And I, I assume you reported it. Yes, and the, was the response, as always, is we didn't hear it. And they're never going to hear it. 
Because they don't want to hear it because then they have to deal with it. Right. They have a special filter. Um, yeah, I remember one time uh, at a at a game, and this these are all L.A., a child that I was there watching was called the N-word from the stands. And we reported it and nothing happened. So, so how is this impacting um, South L.A. United? Are you guys, you know, are you getting restricted? Are you getting pushback um, as, you know... Aside from not getting protection and they so-called can't hear it, how is this impacting the team? Um, It is, well, it impacts the team. It impacts the way the girls play, for one. Um, You know, when we go out on the field, we know that we're playing, that the other team, a lot of the time, most of the time, is playing with a 12th player, which is the ref. Right. So there's 11 people on the field. The other team is playing in with 12 players. Um, most recently, um, an altercation broke out. One of our children reacted to the word. And it's hard. They're young um, to teach them that that word does not define them and to teach them how to handle that word. Um, so it's hard. Um, and... Both players were red carded. Both players were suspended, as should be. Um, I don't disagree with that. Um, but also, our parents, uh, the retaliation, our child pushed the other child when they called, when they were called that word. And then um, the other child uh, socked our child in the neck. Uh, wow. Which, that was a more of a violent pushback, but because they both we were seen as the aggressor because, of course, they didn't hear the N-word. Um, so we were seen as the aggressor. Um, our parents called the, the police. Uh, the, basically, we were <laughs> ended up, uh, instead of our children being ba- uh, having to forfeit their next game, we actually... Um, we actually had to, uh, the parents had to not attend the game. But our community stood up for us. Our girls won, and we succeeded. But on a basis, on a, on a regular basis, we have to, I guess it's the same thing in life. We always have to be better than. Yeah, well. Um, we know that when we go out on the field. We, our girls have to be better than. And Sometimes it affects their play because when we see that these calls are being called against us, ticky-tack fouls that are not called for the other team, then we have to shrink our play. We have to play differently. Our girls have to play differently. They have to adjust their play. Um, And it's hard. It's hard to teach them that. It's hard to teach them why are, you know, why do the refs speak to you that way? Why are calls being fouls not being called against us or for us i mean it's it's actually infuriating that you have to teach them to play small and not be in all of their greatness because they're being adultified they're being stereotyped so the same athletic movement (laughs) on two different kids is judged differently by the referees, the audience, and, you know, and those officials. So what you're telling me is that none of the 
parents of the black children on South LA United were allowed to come to their next game? No. We watched from CPK. <laughs> so, so Are we, we that is CPK? that's outrageous. So you so after a child was called the N word, an altercation breaks out, both kids get red carded, which means they're kicked out of the game. But now the black parents are banned from the game. Are the white parents banned from the game? We don't know. Um, we have no idea what they're... Hmm, what they're I wonder. And so then um, so then your children are now forced to go into um, an all-white situation or a mostly white situation without the backup of their parents. Right, right. But fortunately, we sent our community... <sighs> Right, so let's and talk about that. I, I saw the call, uh, you know, black girls play soccer. Uh, I know a bunch of uh, people that are not the parents <laughs> of those kids showed up to support, you know, black people showed up to support um, to support your team. Yes, and we thank our community. Our girls thank our community. They were, they were victorious. Um, they felt the support of their community behind them, so... It was. It ended up being, you know, it was a great game for them. They won three to one. That is a great game, and I'm sure. Uh, I hope that they felt the love and support of the community. I think we need to do more of that, showing up for our kids. Uh, what's next? Is there another s- similar action taking place? Are you guys allowed back in? What? How can the community so now, support you guys? We are allowed back in. It was a one game ban. Okay. Um, so we are. Yeah, we are allowed back in. But bigger than that problem is that there is no accountability for the referee. Right, right. Um, and and this is no, and this is not just a local problem, like right. I mean, no, it is. Yeah, go it's ahead. A global problem. Yeah, it's a global problem. Right, meaning that black players in any on any level of competition in soccer or football, as they call it in other countries, are more likely to be penalized than other players. Correct. So what can we even, do about that? I mean, how can we... that are getting paid. <laughs> yeah, right. What can we do about that? How, can, how should we push back? I think that, you know, I am not sure what type of racial diversity bias training that the referees have because also there has been, I'm not going to deny this, there has been referee abuse. They have had to take it, even in volunteering. Like, I volunteered in AYSO, and I've seen a lot of parents get out of hand um, with the referees and things like that. So I am not denying that whatsoever. The referees and the pa- the referees do Yeah, but it's not just black life. parents that get out of hand. I've been in many a game. No, it's, no, no. I'm, and mostly because this is a suburban rights here in California. So basically, it's those white, it's the white privileged parents that are accosting because we, there's other, there's other ramifications. LaShawn Woldridge, I gotta, I gotta go to news, traffic, and sports. Can you stay with me a couple minutes? Because I want to get to the, to the, you know, what we can do about it. Okay? Is that good? All right. KBLA Talk 1580. She's reclaiming her time on KBLA Talk 1580. More First Things First with Dominique DePrima when we come forward. 
Thanks for waking up with Dominique DePrima on KBLA Talk 1580. We're talking with LaShawn Woldridge, the team manager for South LA United. I wish you guys had, uh, well, maybe you do. I don't know. Do you guys have gear? Because I would would absolutely (laughs) wear a South LA United (laughs) shirt. I think a lot of people would want to support the team in that way, help cover those 3,500 to 5K and expenses and if people just wanted to show up and support the team, uh, they could track your games and go, right? Yes, we play in SoCal League. We are a national premier team. Um, and so our, it's uh, on the SoCal website is our website. We uh, Not our website, but the league's website. Our games are posted there. But we our games are also posted on our IG page at United underscore SLA, which stands for South LA. All right. So, um, you know, looking at some of this information that you actually sent me, um, it, it kind of breaks down this, what you were talking about, which is racism in the stands and racism among referees impacting at the local youth soccer level all the way up to the professional level um, and how the rise of racism in the world not just um, with our governance here in the United States, but the rise of white supremacy around the world seems to be reflecting in the field of soccer really, really uh, heavily. I did not realize they had a new rule where if um, there are three incidents of racist behavior in one game, they can actually stop the whole game and shut it down. The fact that they need that rule is insane. Right, but how many times is that actually enforced because everything is, we don't hear it. So they don't hear it or they don't recognize it unless somebody is overtly yelling across the field or yelling or hurling insults um, where everybody could hear. That's I mean, it's, it's, it's really hard for me to imagine, um, you know, any other hate crime because these are hate crimes happening. Right. And the person the uh, person in charge of keeping the victim safe says, I didn't hear you, and play on. You know what I mean? I'm trying to imagine an anti-AAPI, um, you know, an, an anti-Asian hate, or an anti-Semitic incident, or an anti-LGBTQ incident, where the response upon complaint is, we didn't hear it. Correct. That is always, the, it's always the same response. Only in one incident did, as me personally, one of my children was called the N-word, and the coach made the player apologize. Not the referee, but the coach made the player apologize. And we asked him why did he call him that word, and he was like, well, I was frustrated because I couldn't get past him. There's like a bazillion words, and if he was, if his skin was not the color of his skin, you would not call someone else that. There are a bazillion other words that I'm sure that you have in your vocabulary, vulgar words that you could have used. Right. But you chose that word because he was a black person, not because you were just frustrated. I mean, even this high-profile match, Chelsea versus Tottenham, which made world news, including this article from ABC News that you sent me, 
the end result was they investigated and found that they couldn't prove it happened. Correct. But if I'm the black person, why would I go complain to the referee about racism if it's not happening? Like, am I just being a crybaby? Is it delusional? I mean, what are they saying? Oh, you, you, you know, you're making it up? Is that... No, they do no other further, no other, because you have to understand, because of the referee abuse, there's, there's so many rules um, to protect the referees, but I don't think there's enough rules to protect the children on the field, um, because there's no, you can't even report now in the league that we play in, there is no, like, reporting the referees. The referees are solvent from any reporting. There's no reporting the referees. Unless you have something on camera that shows them overtly doing something, there is no way, if, if they're incompetent, uh, there is no really reporting of the referees. Um, and when there was a system in place and we wrote them, we sent tape, we sent film, there was only, there was nothing done. Like, it fell on deaf ears. No response, no no nothing. And I understand. But the problem is that most of the abuse, because especially in Southern California, this is a white suburban sport, most of the abuse have come from white privileged parents that think that they can talk to anyone any way. Yeah, I, I believe that. I've witnessed it. Mm -hmm. I've witnessed it at some of the wealthiest uh, schools in Southern California. So what should be done? I mean, if it was up to you, um, LaShawn Muldred, what would you do? I think there should be a real system in place to hold everybody accountable for their actions. If a, ch a, child, a black child is not going to come and say, I was called the N-word just because we're not raised like that. That's not what happens in our lives. That's not what happens. We're not going to just, you know, it's not, quote, unquote, we're just playing the race card. It should be taken seriously. Yeah. And I mean, the game should be stopped. The child that, or the child, the parent, or whoever who has said that word they should be questioned right then and there. Yeah. Yeah. It's called accountability, right? I mean, if someone's, to me, if somebody's reporting it right then and there, then it should be investigated right then and there. And, yeah, so um, I, to me this seems like something, I mean, I, I feel like, have you guys contacted, <laughs> I know this is going to sound crazy, like L.A. Civil Rights? Because to me, we have not, I mean, we have not, we've been, you know, it's, it's a problem. We, the girls have grown up and a lot of them have grown up in, um, and this is not an AYSO problem. This is a Southern California league. Right. And it's not just LA city, but I imagine, right. you know, it's, when you, it's, it's, it's all over. So right. it's not, no doubt. I'm sure the further up in the Canyon country or the further out to Orange County right, or wherever you right. go, the it's worse not, it gets. You know, it's not our club problem. It is the youth soccer system problem. I right. But I, I'm just thinking like if, for example, the LA Civil Rights Department or the LA County Human Relations Commission or somebody took this up, um, maybe it would at least 
put these folks on notice or bring more attention to it in ways that could eventually lead to some checks and balances on those referees. Because, you know, I I know that there's people listening right now that have experienced this, uh, watching their kids play whatever their sport was um, in Southern California. If your child is on a club team or your child is playing in an independent uh, school uh, system where they're not, you know, where they're not, majority black um, and Latino, I'm sure you've seen right. it. And so, uh, you know, I think that's one of the reasons why so many people showed up to the game on Saturday. Like, yeah, we want to stand up for, we want to show up for our black girls, for our young black kids who should, you know, are dealing with something that you would think of from 1955 in 2023 and show them they're not alone and, you know, they shouldn't have to adjust their play. They shouldn't have to fight through this. But I feel like even though no one's been, you know, like physically, you know, killed or anything like that, it is a hate crime. It's a hate crime. Yeah. Those are hate crimes. And I feel like these agencies like the um, Los Angeles County Human Relations Commission, the L.A. City Human Relations Commission, which falls under the direction of the Los Angeles uh, City Civil Rights Department. Some of these agencies, you know, um, you know, should put folks on notice. What about um, an organization like the LA 84 Foundation? I know they're not directly involved with uh, the club teams, although many of those facilities are funded by the LA 84 Foundation with the proceeds still from the 1984 Olympics. I know they train referees. They have referee training programs. You know, what about them? Um, We haven't talked to LA 84 regarding this problem. We've talked to LA 84 regarding other things. Mm. Um, We have not um, spoken to them about this particular issue, but I'm sure that they're aware of the issues. Um, <laughs> I bet you they are. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that the, they're aware of the issues because the girls have been playing since they're four. When we, we came out of AYSO 1031, which is a predominantly, which is um, on Fairfax between Stalker and Slauson, which is a predominantly, um, well, was and still is predominantly African-American um, Soccer was the only, and uh, as the girls, even in recreational soccer, as the children moved out and we played tournaments and things like that, we, you know, the children and the parents had experienced it more, but it was a little bit different because we were a community. So when we showed up, we had like seven, eight teams showing up to a tournament. Right. Um, So we, you know, we rode deep. Um, and now, you know, with gentrification in our community, the landscape of our soccer in that region is changing a little bit. Uh, so that is, you know, that, that is changing a little bit. We have, you know, it's more, a little bit more diverse, I would want to say, because of gentrification. A little bit less community. black, I'll say. Um, right, yeah, yeah. So, 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 okay, yeah. 
that's crazy. So now in the club, you know, it's and and with the gentrification, we're seeing all of this amped up. Not to mention the the environment in our country, where you know hate crimes are just up overall, and in Southern California in particular. How I mean, I think you you've been really clear. There needs to be checks and balances on referees. There needs to be protection for the children, not just for the refs. And um, I feel like whether you hear it or not, there has to be some response that's not just, I didn't hear it, because that's, that leaves you completely unprotected, and it chills uh, the impulse to even report it, because they're just going to say, you know, they didn't hear it. So I feel like that needs to change. Okay, you didn't hear it, but the child heard it or the parent heard it. So that needs to be taken seriously. How can we support you in, you know, in, in, in your quest to have a more fair system? I just followed SLA underscore United on, um, on IG. I know we can do that. What else can we do uh, to support these changes and fairness in the sport of soccer. I think that more families coming forward and, you know, basically demanding that we come together as a community, not just in youth soccer, but as a community um, for our children. Um, Because we know that, you know, just like having the drive talk (laughs) to our children, there's Mm -hmm. a talk that we have with our children as they, become of age. Um, But our children experience racism at a much earlier age. And, but white children and parents think that their children are too young to learn about racism. That's why books are banned and things like that. But if they're too young to learn about racism, but our children are never too young to experience racism. Yeah. Not only that, those children that are calling them the N-word learned about racism somewhere. Right. So they're not too young to learn about it if they're hurling the word at other children. Correct. Correct. So it is, and we need to come together and stand together as a community to make a real change in youth athletics, period. Our children need to be protected. We shouldn't have to shrink our play. We And even we have girls that have went on and they are playing in college from our community. They came from the South L.A. AYSO region, and they are now playing in college, and they are still experiencing those same things. Um, so I think that we need to, as a community, hold the league's responsibility accountable and hold the referees accountable that we need to come together because it's no reason why children should have to go through this. Yeah. And as we start seeing, you know, more and more black kids in some of these sports that have traditionally not in in this country been black, like gymnastics, like tennis, like soccer, there is that you will not replace us energy, which is, you know, really white supremacist energy. Y'all want merit. Step up and play. Don't, you know, try to trash our children through racism, white supremacy that, you know, I think that um, these are really good points. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And one thing that is really sad is even when we get a referee that looks like us, they're so busy trying to 
prove that they're not biased because we are the only all black team. Right. So they're they're doing uh, they're doing too right. much so they're, to accommodate they're, they're the other folks. Much harsher. They're you know, and it's sad because we don't. If you look at our record, we don't need anyone to give us a leg up. We just need somebody to call the game fairly. I mean, literally, literally a level playing field. Right. We're not asking you to give us calls or anything like that. We're asking you to call the game fairly. And a lot of times when we do, there are some times when, when we go out to play that there are black referees that say, oh, my gosh, we had this one. He came all the way from San Diego to give our kids some training. He was Jamaican um, for free um, because he saw us play in a tournament and, and of course, never seen a team like ours. Um, And then also, you know, we've had some referees, like white referees that have seen the girls play in rec play, and then they see them again in in competitive plays. Um, club play, and they were like, oh my gosh, we love your girls, we love to see them play. So we have had those experiences, but those experiences are far and few in between. That's so sad. Well, um, LaShawn Muldridge, I appreciate you sharing the story with us. I hope that uh, I hope that a lot more folks will follow uh, South LA United on Instagram. Um and, you know, SLA underscore United, I hope that we'll track the games uh, in the uh, Southern California League club play. Um, and I hope that the, you speaking out leads to more other parents speaking out and that it's not just South LA United, but other parents that reach out to these bodies like these human relations commissions, like these, um, like the LA 84 Foundation um, whose mission is to uh, make sure that young people have the opportunity to thrive and play in sports. And this is certainly an obstacle to that. If we're dealing with racism, white supremacy from, you know, little league or peewee leagues all the way up to the professional level, um, we have to push back where we can. I appreciate you guys doing that. And, um, you know, Anytime you guys are looking for folks to show up, just give us a call. KBLA is standing with South LA United. Thank you so much. And we will definitely get you some gear. And you can hit us up on Instagram if you would like some of our gear. But we will definitely get you some gear down to uh, down Well, to I, you know, I want to pay for my gear because I want, okay, I want yeah. to support the team. You know what I'm saying? And I think a lot of people would do just that. Let's have a little fundraiser on behalf of your team. Um, oh, thank you. LaShawn Woldbridge, thank you so much for joining us and and sharing your story this morning. Okay, thank you. All right, it's not too late to call me. In fact, it's the perfect time to call me. We've got local, we've got national, we've got international, we've got Halloween, 800-920-1580. We are unapologetically progressive, unapologetically black, unapologetically outspoken. KBLA Talk 1580. (laughs) KBLA Talk 1580 is an intervention. When we come forward, includes you. KBLA Talk 1580, turning pain into power. 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 Power
talk radio lately that sounds anything like this? We didn't think so. You're listening to Unapologetically Progressive, KBLA Talk 1580. Okay, so um, it's United underscore SLA, not SLA underscore United. The SLA underscore United is their old page from the Iowa AYSO when they were in rec soccer. Uh uh, United, whoops, sorry, that's my phone. <laughs> uh, so you want United underscore SLA, and you can see the story of the um, United South LA, all uh, black uh, young girls club soccer team. A lot going on. I know you hear the commercial, maybe it's going in one ear and out the other, but I don't want to leave our uh, local space without reminding you that today at 6 p.m. is the deadline if you want to apply to get rent relief, if you're a small mom and pop landlord, it turns out it's 12 units or less that you have to own. You have until today, Halloween at 6 p.m. You can go to housing.lacity.org and you'll see the ULA Emergency Renters Assistance Program for the City of Los Angeles. And it's right at the top of their website. You can um, apply. For any small landlord whose tenant has fallen behind, this could be because of COVID, but it could also be because of something else. Some kind of hardship for your tenant that's happened between 2020 and now that's made them fall behind. This is because the city of LA doesn't want to put more people into the streets. We're trying to solve this houseless crisis under Mayor Karen Bass. So that means they are using money from Uh, Measure ULA, yay us, the voters, for passing it, to keep people housed by paying that back rent so the landlords don't have to be in an untenable situation. Landlords aren't being asked to pay the burden of whatever that hardship was. In many cases, it will be COVID. So those small mom and pop landlords can keep their property and they can keep their tenants, which is the ideal situation for everybody. We see gentrification, we see the um, corporate landlords, you know, gouging folks and pushing folks out. Now the city is stepping up and helping those small business owners who are landlords. And it also helps the tenant, obviously, because now they don't have that debt and they can move forward with a clean slate. Got to do it by today at 6 p.m., and I would suggest if you think you might qualify or your tenant might qualify, do it now. LA, housing.lacity.org. Happy Halloween. We're going national, international, and beyond after news, traffic, and sports on KVLA Talk 1580.